Acts chapter 17. Uh, I want to take verse 16 as my text and then build on that this evening. Acts chapter 17 and verse 16. Uh, the Bible says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he beheld the city full of idols. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity that we have this month of Thanksgiving. This November is the month that we celebrate Thanksgiving in this church to give thanks to you for all that you've done for us since the beginning of the year to this time. So Father, we join our voices together wherever we are around the world watching this broadcast. We join our voices together. We say we enter your gates with thanksgiving and we enter your courts with praise. We thank you for the challenges that, has, uh, uh, that we faced and come through this year. We, we, we thank you for the blessings that we've uh, 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 gotten from you from the beginning of this year. We thank you that we are still alive today to praise your name, for it's only the living that can praise you. For all this, Father, we ask that you accept our thanks. We acknowledge this evening that you are our Father, you are in heaven, and so we say, hallowed be your name. Glory and honor and praises and thanksgiving be unto your holy name. We thank you because we are, are, are praying that your kingdom will come and that your will will be done in our lives as it is done in heaven. Let your kingdom come upon our nation, upon the world. Let your will be done in every area of our lives, that we may continue to praise you. At this time, Lord, we remember those who are mourning, those who have lost loved ones, those who uh, have had to bury uh, uh, loved ones this year. We are asking, Father, that your Holy Spirit will put your arms of love and comfort around them at this time. We pray that your peace and your grace will be multiplied to them. We pray that as many Christians as are mourning, as are as in sorrow at this time, Lord, that you, your Holy Spirit will minister to them, that they do not mourn like those who do not have hope. We pray, Lord, that you will strengthen every weak one in every area that they are weak. Let your strength come upon people that need your strength at this time. We ask all these things, Lord, in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I want to welcome you uh, wherever you are watching from uh, Facebook, YouTube, or on our website. I want to welcome you uh, from wherever you are watching from around the world also. Hello, Kensington Temple, London City Church. It's good to be with you this evening. And once again, I want to say thank you to Pastor Colin for asking me to bring you the word of God this evening. It's an honor and a privilege uh, to minister from this Pupilt. Amen. My, the title of my message this evening is Spiritual Activism or Spirit-Led Activism. Spirit-Led Activism, which should become our new normal. Spirit-Led Activism, the new normal. As you know, uh, in the news, social media, there's a talk of the new normal. And uh, please excuse my language, but I hate that talk. I don't want the new normal. What they call the new normal must not be part of our vocabulary as children of God. No, not at all. We cannot accept the new normal. 
from the world. Because even though we are in the world, but we are not part of the world. So their vocabulary, we cannot accept as something that should program us to begin to accept that. Rather, spirit-led activism should become our new normal. And you might want to say to me, what exactly is spirit-led activism? Well, that is my message to you this evening. Um, activism is something that is inherent in us as evangelicals, as protestants. Whatever uh, denomination you belong to, uh, uh, if you came out, if your denomination came out of uh, protestantism uh, through Luther, then there's something about us that is agitated when things are not right. When things are not going well, there's something within us that wants to react about that. And it's a nature in us that is godly, that says, uh, because the Bible says that uh, all that it's needed for evil to triumph, for evil to thrive, is for good people to be quiet. When the righteous are in power, the people rejoice. When the wicked are in power, the people groan, the people mourn. The people mourn. So there's something in us, there's something in our DNA, there's something in our history that is that is that that turns us into activists against evil. When we see evil, we want to re, we, we 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 are programmed by the Spirit of God to react to it because we are in the world, we are not of the world. And so Luther, uh, centuries ago began to be uh, stared in his, in his soul and in his spirit. Just as Paul here on his missionary journey came to Athens and saw things that stirred his spirit into activism. He was stirred, he was moved, he was, the, the, the version of Sred said he was provoked in his spirit when he saw, when he beheld the city full of idols. There was something within him that was provoked to say, this is wrong. This is wrong. And if you read that chapter, he began to debate with them, telling them, you, you have idols to, dedicated to this God, dedicated to that God, dedicated to this God. And you even have another idol dedicated to the unknown God. Now let me talk to you about that unknown God. And from there, he preached Christ to them. But of course, the Athenians are only interested in philosophies. They called him the babbler. They weren't ready. Hallelujah. And so there's something in us. I mean, take Moses, for example. We, we do not know from scripture how Moses got to know that he was a Jew, that he, was, he belonged with the people in Goshen in Israel. But the Bible says that he was going to visit his, his people one day and he saw an Egyptian maltreating a, 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 a Jewish person, a Hebrew, and he looked this way, he looked that way, killed the man, and then buried him in the sand. Activism. Because he knew that there was something within him that says he's going to be part of the liberation of his own people. Hallelujah. And this is what I want to bring out to you today, really. 
I want you to know that there's a difference between spiritual activism and social activism. As Christians, our engagement in society starts from the place of the spirit. That's why the title of my message is not just social activism, being social, feeding the poor, and all the things that we do very well out there. Food banks, soup kitchens. In this house, we do so many of those things. And we do them very well. Acknowledged by the community that we, we are based in. So many of our network churches are doing fantastic work when it comes to this social work out there. Being light and salt in the community in our own little way. We are able to do that. But tonight, that's not what I've come to say to you. And please, I want you to hear me and hear me well. Don't just listen to me. I want you to hear me well. Because as we go into the next year and into the 2020s, as it's been prophesied from this platform, that things are going to be challenging. We must know on whose side we are on. We must know what to do. We must be able to divide social activism and spiritual-led spirit -led activism. We must be able to see the difference and choose the right one. Because the Bible says that a fountain cannot both bring out sour and sweet water. It's impossible. And please hear me very well. This is what I mean. When the Black Lives Matter movement came, a lot of Christians rushed in because it seems good. But when we began to dig into the, into the, into the, into the core, the root, when we began to look at the root, where it came from, a lot of people, a lot of us as Christians, we discovered that the root is of witchcraft, if I may use that word. It is, yes, on the surface, it looks good. On the surface, it looks like agitation for what is good, for what is right. But when you look at the spirit behind it, it is the spirit of the age. It is an antichrist spirit. I'm told that the things that expose them has been removed from their website. Good luck to them. It is the reason why I want us to understand that spirit-led activism is different from social activism. For Moses, he wanted his people to like him. He wanted the people to know, I am going to be part of the people that are going to uh, uh, deliver you from slavery. As if God cannot deliver his own people. Well, we may, we may excuse Moses, uh, but probably he didn't know the covenant that God had with Abraham. But yet... That staring in his soul against injustice that made him kill the Egyptian and then buried him in the sand was also what sent him into exile for 40 years. Was what threw fear into his life as the former prince of Egypt who now became a shepherd boy for, for Jethro, a, a shepherd looking after Jethro's sheep in, in Midian. Walking in the, in, the, in, the, in the deserts of Midian, feeding his flock, he became a stutterer. 
Fear gripped him. But when God was ready, when the spirit-led activism was to start, God did not give him a sword. God did not make, send him back to Egypt to become a prince. God gave him an ordinary rod. And with that rod, he led the children of Israel out of, out of Egypt, out of bondage, across the Red Sea, and on their way to the promised land. Spirit-led activism is what we want. Now, that is what I believe must become our new normal. It must become our new normal. And you, you, say, you might be saying to me, so praise, how does this become our new normal? Well, that's what I believe the message that God has given me for you today. It's simple, but you have to hear me. Don't just listen. Hear me and hear me well. Because there are a lot of things that have been challenging me and challenging my spiritual life since January, or probably since, since February, when God put me on my back and I had all the time in the world to think, to review my life, to ask myself even recently, what is it all about? Not the way, not the, way the world will ask, well, what's the purpose of life? Because as a Christian, I know that God put me on this planet for a purpose. And you know that God put you on this planet for a purpose. So we know where we came from. We know why we are here, why we, are, we came from God. We are here to glorify him. We are here to bring his kingdom, his kingdom on earth. We are here to enforce his will. And we know when we die, we know where we are going. So the four W's are taken care of for us. But between coming here on this, on this planet, being born and dying is, is, is a purpose. It's a purpose. And spiritual activism is part of that purpose. Why? Because Satan is alive and well in our world today. And so Paul in Athens looked at his environment and he was stirred. He was provoked. A couple of years ago, I was part of the team that went with Pastor Colin to Bogota. And um, when we came back, we had some, probably what we could call a debriefing in our primary 12 uh, 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 cell. This was probably 19 years ago now. And he was asking us, what was it that made the most impact on you? We all gave what we saw in Bogota, the crowd, the spirituality, the warfare, and so on and so forth. And then he asked the question, so what is going to begin to motivate you to carry this vision forward? And we all gave our own ideas and everything and so on and so forth. I remember saying that, my motivation for my life really is the cross of Jesus Christ. Recently, I've added one other thing to it, the judgment seat of Christ. Those are the two things. And when we've all given all our uh, answers to him, he looked at us and he said, what about our environment? Does the environment not motivate you to do something for, for Christ? Sorry, Pastor Colin, it's taken me 19 years to catch up with you, with what you are saying. So as Christians, are you as, a, are you as a Christian, as a born again child of God, spirit-filled, you are spirit-filled, 
You are spirit-led. You are somebody who is walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. What do you see in our environment today, in the city of London, in the United Kingdom, in our world, and you, wherever you're watching from, what do you see in your society that is provoking you like, like, like Paul? When you read Acts chapter 16 from verse 16 to 19, Paul was also provoked again, but in another, in an entirely different way. He was, you know, uh, 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 let me just read that to you. Acts chapter 16 from verse 16 to 19. Acts 16 from verse 16 to 19. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, not to the girl, to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Now anybody... Uh, who, uh, uh, who probably you are with, with Paul at that time. Unless you have what is called discerning of spirits. And that is one thing. That is one gift of the spirit that we need in our time now. To be able to discern. What is the spirit operating in that group of activists? I was saying to a young man recently. So when you've gone to Hyde Park and you've, um, you've protested with John Bodega about Black Lives Matter or about anything, or you've taken a kneel with Kaepernick, or you've done whatever it is necessary for you to do, what happens with the kingdom of God. Is the kingdom of God advanced? It's the kingdom of God. Uh, uh, do you come home with somebody, haven't led somebody to the Lord? Do you come back home, haven't laid hands on somebody and they've been delivered from demons? Have you, how many demons did you cast out from there? Or do you come back home uh, to, your, to your home hating your brother because he doesn't have the same color with you? Or agitated, thinking, you know, frustrated that nothing has really changed. That is why, uh, please understand, that's why I said you have to hear me very well. Because some of you might be thinking in your mind now, so are you saying we shouldn't protest? No. I spent most of my young life protesting on the streets of Lagos. I've gone to parliament to protest. In fact, I probably signed, probably within a week, at least two petitions, especially if it's coming from Christian Concern for Our Nation. I think I've signed two between yesterday and today. Petitions. It is not about not protesting. It is not about not participating in activism. It's not about you not being activist. In fact, when you, when you, when you think about the women, according to 
to history. When you think about the women that fought for women's rights in America, they were, they were, they were people, they were women who grew out of the, of the, of the society of friends that were called the Quakers. The most prominent three, three, three of them, women. When you look, look at Oxfam, when you look at even Amnesty International, the people, the brains behind that, the entrepreneurs that funded Amnesty International at the beginning were members of the Society of Friends, the Quakers. So protesting is in our DNA. That's, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying do not protest. I'm not saying do not join. But I'm saying how much of your protest is spirit-led? Thank God for the civil rights movement in America. But please, has that stopped racism in America? Oh yes, civil rights movement probably put the first black man in the White House. The process of it, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Civil rights movement probably allowed a black woman, the first woman and black woman, to be chosen as a vice presidential candidate. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. But will that stop racism? Is that going to cure racism? That is my question. And that is why, as Christians, our activism has to be spirit-led. Oxfam may not look anything like Christian today. Amnesty International may not look like any Christian today. But they are still standing today because of their Christian roots. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so activism is a great thing. But for us as children of God, it must be spirit-led. So what am I really talking about? I'm talking about kingdom living as a child of God. Kingdom living. I looked at the calendar when I was, uh, when I was told uh, uh, Pastor Colin was asking me to come and preach. I looked at the calendar and I calculated. I calculated that it's exactly today's Sunday. It's exactly one year and one week when a match for revival was lit on this platform. How many of you remember that? A match for revival. So spirit-led activism is talking about kingdom life and revival. So what am I saying? Revival must be our new normal, not their new normal. We are not going to accept their new normal. Rather, we are going to accept revival as our new normal. Spirit-led activism. So what does it really mean? What does it really mean? This is what it means. Number one, we are in lockdown. That's what they are saying. But for you and I, our mindset must change that they call it lockdown, but we call it locked in. You say, what do you mean? I mean, we are locked in with Jesus. We are locked in with the Holy Spirit. We take advantage of the lockdown to be locked in with Jesus. I started practicing a process. Because as I thought about what happened between 
Last year, the January last year, and up till now, is, is baffling. <laughs> that the whole world came into a position that were almost locked down. I mean, that everything was shut down. And whether you are a student of eschatology or not, whether you listen to the conspiracy theories out there or not, it should concern you. It should concern you. It should concern you that we are not able to gather together as the Bible commands us to. It should concern you that your environment, our environment, is such ungodly, promoting things that are ungodly, it should concern you. And if the concerns are there, like Paul, whether it's with the, with the demon-possessed girl or with the idols that he saw in Athens, it should provoke something from within you. There should be a staring from the within you. And when you look at the scale and the scope of things in society, if you're not going to be overwhelmed and give up and say, well, what's gonna, what's gonna be is gonna be, then there must be a desire for a spirit-led activism, revival in your soul. And so I began to ask the Holy Spirit, you've got to have a solution to this. Not just the lockdown, but the fact that I'm not happy with what my kids are being taught in school sometimes. The fact that I don't like the laws that are being passed sometimes. The, the fact that the whole world seems to be in confusion. And I began to ask the Lord, what are you up to? Well, the Holy Spirit led me to Matthew chapter 5. The Beatitudes, the Sermon of Jesus. Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those. Blessed are those. <laughs> happy are those who are poor in spirit. Happy are those who are poor. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek or the humble for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who thirst and hunger after righteousness. Or blessed are those who hunger and thirst after justice. For they shall be filled. Filled with what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Spirit led. They will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And therefore, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after justice, for they shall be filled. And then blessed are those who are merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So, what does this all mean? Jesus says, this is how you get into the kingdom, and this is how you live in the kingdom. And I have said, kingdom life is revival life. And I personally believe that with the, the, the prophecies that are out there about revival, and we don't, and prophecies are meant to be confirmed. We are to watch them and pray them and make good warfare with them. Like Paul said to Timothy, 
The prophecies that have gone ahead of you, make good warfare with them. There's a prophetic utterance from this platform. A match was lit. It is the match of revival. What have we done with it? It is time to wake up and do something with it. But I also want to say to you, this is my personal belief, that the revival that is coming is going to start as personal revival. That's what I personally believe. I stand corrected, I stand, you know, I am a student of the Bible, I am a student of revival, and I, and I stand to be corrected. But I don't believe that the revival that is coming is a revival where Christians will just come and enjoy themselves and sing kumbaya in the Holy Spirit and go home and do nothing. No, this revival that is coming, which is a personal revival, which is going to start personally as you are locked in with Jesus in intimacy, Intimacy, when you get off from being overwhelmed, when you get off from being, from being tired of being tired, when you get up and say, I don't like what I see in my environment. Lord, there's something staring in me. Holy Spirit, what should I do? And the voice of the Holy Spirit will come to you as to what to do. And please let me tell you, what you are going to do is not going to be ungodly. Neither are you going to drink from a fountain that is not bringing pure and sweet water out. No, like the Moravians, like the Hebrides, things will change. The, the revival that came from Scotland in the island, the island of the Hebrides, <laughs> were two women, two women, old in their 80s, according to, to history. And they were, they were moved, they were provoked like Paul, they were provoked because young people were not coming to church. That was what stirred them up. They said young people are not, and they began to pray. Two old women who couldn't even go to church anymore because, who couldn't gather with the saints anymore because they were disabled. And according to history, they would pray between 11 p.m. and 3 a.m. Asking God to do something. Because they looked at their environment and they saw that young people were no longer coming to church on Sunday. They were no longer praying, but instead they were in movie theaters, movie houses and pubs. And they were going to the dance as it was called in those days. And that a new culture, a bad culture was taking over their community. And they began to pray. And God gave them a word that revival was coming. And so they sent a message to their pastor and said, you two, gather men and start to pray. And the pastor gathered seven men and they began to pray in a barn. And after a short while, three months or so, the Holy Spirit stepped in with power. And that evening, the music stopped in the dance hall. And the young people left the dance hall and they walked into the church repenting. Now, if God brings that kind of revival again, praise his name. But I believe that revival is what we need because <laughs> the, the, the situation of things seems so much, so the evil seems to have gone so far that we need an accelerated speed, the speed of light to catch up. And only revival 
I can only see revival doing this work for us. And so what is the, what is, well, how do we get there? This personal revival. Number one, we come to God and say, we are in need of you. We are in need of you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Poverty of spirit allows you to say to God, I need you. I'm broken. Fix me. And as you are asking God, you begin to mourn for your sins. I begin to mourn for my sins. What sins? I'm not talking about adultery, fornication, and all those things. Yes, you need to repent of those. I'm talking about us that in our time, on our watch, Satan seems to be advancing and the church seems to be retreating. We say, God, we need you. Come from heaven. Stamp your authority, stamp your power in our lives and in our environment. And as we mourn for the sins that we see in our environment, for the, for the troubles that we see in our environment, the Bible says that he will send his Holy Spirit to comfort us. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And when we see our need for him, we see his mercy upon us, you know, redeeming us. We are born again. We are restored like the prodigal son to him. You know, from the place of mourning, we become humble. He gives grace to the humble. When we get to the place of humility, we must get to that place of humility again before God. As Pentecostals, Evangelicals, Charismatics, we, we sometimes, in my opinion, it seems as if we are too familiar with Scripture and we are too familiar with God and we are too familiar with the Holy Spirit. Something has to change. Something has to change. And when we get to that place where we are meek before him, when we are humble before him, Humble yourself behind, be, 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 you know, or under the hand of the Almighty. In due course, he's going to lift you up. He will lift us up by the power of his Holy Spirit. So much so that there is a hunger from the Holy Spirit within us. We are going to start beginning to, to hunger and thirst after righteousness. After righteousness. We begin to hunger and thirst after righteousness by his grace. And when we get to that place, we become merciful. Because, he says, blessed are, are the merciful because they, because they shall obtain mercy. Merciful? Yes. Because we know that when we came to him in need of him, lost, Apollumai, lost, completely lost, say we need you, we are broken, we, we, are, we, 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 we realize our need for you. He embraced us like the prodigal son. He had mercy on us. And now we know he wants to give us mercy. And therefore, we also will begin to be merciful to others, to forgive. I'm not talking about your brother or sister that offended you. I'm talking about those who need him out there, who need his mercy not to go to hell. Hallelujah. And so therefore, I want to say to you that there are some ideas that we have about God that needs to change. Our false ideas about God that leads to false belief, false belief that leads to false expectations, false expectations that leads uh, 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 to, to deception. False expectations are when we expect God to fulfill his promises on our terms. <laughs> we want him to fulfill 
His promises to us. Yes, he's promised us, but he doesn't fulfill his promises to us on our terms or according to our own timing or in our own way. Not even to the Lord Jesus Christ in the garden. That's why he had to say, not my will, but yours be done. Deception is false belief. Okay? When we demand that God do what he has not promised, but we think he ought to do it anyway, this leads us to frustration, which leads us to anger, which leads us to unbelief and religion. And how much religion do we see today? I was watching a video the other day about somebody who was preaching about, um, about um, marriage. And he was preaching on, you know, in a chapter in Corinthians where Paul says, you know, if, uh, if an unbelieving husband wants to go, let him go. If an unbelieving wife wants to go, let her go. And this man was saying that that means you can go and marry an unbeliever. Goodness. False teachers and false prophets out there. No wonder we need to shut ourselves in again with the Holy Spirit. Intimacy with God. Let me round up. So, how do we get there? I believe we need to go take a look again at Matthew chapter 5. The Beatitudes. We need to go look at it again because I think if you and I, we, we, we go through the process of humbling ourselves before God by telling him we need him in our lives, in our world, in our community, in our churches. And we mourn for whichever way we've turned our backs against the Holy Spirit. And we become meek before God and we allow as, as humble people, as his humble children, for him to embrace us and to lift us by his grace and show us mercy. And then we begin to show mercy to the world around us. We are on our way to personal revival. Revival is not far away from you. And how do we get there? In the place of intimacy with God. We come into the place of consecration. We become set apart again, not for social activism, but for spirit-led activism. We are, we, are, we are consecrated again, set apart for the use of our God. We begin to pursue righteousness and holiness. And the Bible says that it's righteousness. It's righteousness. That, that, that lifts up, exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. The Bible also says that the righteous are as bold as lion. Every area of our lives where we are not bold, where we are not challenging our world, where we are not challenging ideologies, where we are not challenging things that are wrong, maybe the lion has departed. Why are we so fearful? As Christians, why, are we, why have we allowed such inclusiveness to dull the sharpness of our axe, the sword in our hands? Why? Why have we allowed society to strip us of our, our armor, the, the, the whole armor of God that we've been given for battles like this? And whether we like it or not, the battle is coming. The, the question is, are you going to be standing? Because you are not going to stand unless you are spirit-led. And if you are not standing, anchored with the Holy Spirit, you are spirit-led, your activism is spirit-led, you are going to end up in idolatry like the Athenians. May that not be your portion in Jesus' name. Amen.
Hallelujah. The Bible says that the wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lion. Proverbs 28 verse 1. And Paul exhorts us to stand, therefore, having guarded our waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. It is righteousness that we must pursue now. It is righteousness that must be our pursuit. And that is what is going to lead us into spirit-led activism. Activity that are, that, are, that, are, that are led by the Holy Spirit to cause our world to change. After all, that's what we are. We are world changers. We are the salt and the light of the world. We are a city that is set upon a hill that cannot be hidden. Today, I'm asking you, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the prophetic action that came from this, this platform. One match, that represents you, an individual. There are so many matchsticks in that box, but one was lit on this platform. That is you. That is you. Go on your knees. Humble yourself before God. Like Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 5. And let's begin to see the light of God in us multiply around the world. This is who we are. Hallelujah. And as we go into our week today, I want you to, this week, I want you to take time to listen, to hear the Holy Spirit, to ask the Holy Spirit, where are you at in your journey with him? Are you involved in flesh activism or spirit-led activism? I pray that the Holy Spirit will enlighten you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. God bless you.